So and you uh, first you recorded uh, Temptation on around. Yes. So I have, of course, the cover right there. Yeah, I had two songs on that. I think. Yeah, the latter and Temptation. So yeah, what was it like being in the studio and doing that? It's incredible. Um, temptation was something. Um, we were on the road. And uh, I think we were in Ohio. And was, we had did our five or six nights there. And we had a couple of nights off or something. But I recall we were rehearsing with, with the Revolution for them to record that song. And after our show, the last night, uh, Alan Leeds uh, came up and, and said, Prince wants you to uh, pack your bags and you're headed to L.A. after the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, friends, I, uh, and Sheila, Jerome, myself, and Alan got on a little private plane and flew to L.A. And, uh, and we ended up getting there and going to the, Mike, to the uh, Jackson Victory, uh, the last show of the Victory Tour. I'll never forget it. <laughs> it was amazing. But anyways, to make a long story short, it was a whole experience of that. But originally, that song was supposed to be uh, recorded by The Revolution. He decided he wanted to do it um, by himself. So after that victory tour, of course, he goes to the studio and and he plays everything. And I'm sitting in the hotel room because there's no cell phones back then pagers or whatever so you just kind of sit there and wait until you get a call I finally got a call and he wanted me to come in so they picked me up and I went over and we recorded uh, over Capitol Records and that was one intense session because he wanted me to just go all the way out I had me doing things like walking from the back of the room playing, you, probably, you can hear it in the recording, uh, uh, various parts of the recording, just, it was like no structure, just play, play whatever you feel, play, 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 and just walk towards the mic, so it was cool stuff like that, that we really never had experienced, uh, but yeah, Temptation, it's a lot in there, it's a lot in there, there's a lot of uh, life in there. Um, the latter, that was all done when we were in pre-production for Purple Rain Tour. So, I, Sheila, Sheila's band had just finished their, our rehearsal, and 
I was backstage chilling, probably eating some chips or something. And next thing I hear over the loudspeaker, my name being called. I'm like, why is he calling me? <laughs> I'm like way nervous. Like, okay. Uh, and <clears throat> next thing is like, get your horn, come to stage. And they were already rehearsing. Uh, and so he's, I'm picks up pick up my horn and I just start playing and ad-libbing or whatever and uh, after we played a few times Jerome comes up to me Jerome Benton comes up to me and said hey man follow me come here takes me outside and there's a big mobile recording truck <laughs> I had no idea what we were doing but yeah he, he tracked that right there in uh, St. Paul, at the St. Paul Auditorium, in pre-production rehearsal. And that was my first session with him. And I didn't even know I was in a session. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a bit bizarre, but fun, and you know, great history. But uh, And uh, all the other stuff we did together for Sheila's records was always a joy. Yeah, I got always uh, nifty, so. I'm gonna hold this one up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we recorded that record of course. on the road. Got to show this picture. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> Angry at 6 a.m. in the morning doing a photo shoot in the forest, whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that record was, we started that record while we were on Purple Rain Tour. That's why I say he never slept. Like, I'd never been around anybody. It, the energy he had was just unbelievable to do a three-hour show, go to a hotel room, watch it, and then go to the studio right after that. It's like, and then start that over the next day. It was pretty intense. Pretty intense. You know, I think, especially at the time, some of the perception about Sheila E. was maybe she's just another, you know, protege like Apollonia or Vanity or something like that, but she was totally different. So you... Can you speak to that a little bit? Sheila was, Sheila is, uh, she's not just, a, she's, a, she's a musician. You know what I mean? And uh, that's what I think Prince was drawn to because he had mad love for her musicianship as he watched her with Marvin Gaye, George Duke, you know, so on and so on, and the records and all the things that, you know, she was a, she's a total package. And I'm not taking anything away from, you know, the other girls and other female artists that he worked with, but you got the full deal with Sheila. She's just, she can hold her own, and I think that's why she is still in position today to do what she's able to do, because she's not just someone who's saying the glamorous life, you know, or some, you know, and it's not just, it wasn't just about Prince. She has her own identity, and she had that before Prince got to her, where a lot of the other artists were kind of like homemade through his, you know, his little structure, you know, so. But I have to say that about my girl, because, I mean, I watched her growing up, you know what I mean? And I've seen the musicianship. So she's a total package. I think that's why she's still making moves, you know, and I'm proud of her. She's, uh, she's strong, and uh, she can hold her own. 
What what can you tell us about Sheila in the studio um, that sort of distinguishes her? I mean, how much she seems like she has so much fun all the time on stage. Is she really about business in the studio? Or oh yeah, <laughs> she 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 works hard. She works hard. She's a she's a driver. She pushes, and you know she's always been that way. And she taught us to push hard. You know, because I didn't know nothing about going and rehearsing 12 hours a day, six days a week until I met her. You know, we rehearse a few hours and learn our little top 40 songs and, you know, go to the clubs and play them. But she's a driver. You know, she pushes. And uh, um, she pushes in the studio and on, on you know, in, in our live performances as well, you know. I, I find it hard nowadays to keep up sometimes. <laughs> she, uh, she keeps me in the gym, I must say that, because uh, blowing the saxophone and chasing her at my age right now has become a little difficult. <laughs> the, the, has she typically uh, allow you to sort of come up with your own parts, or does she sometimes suggest, you know, arrangements or, or augmentations or what? Um, it kind of varies, you know, as far as uh, improvisation, of course, I, she, she trusts where I go. And then horn arrangements, I'll do some horn arrangements for her. We also have uh, another uh, horn player with us, Joe Behrman, and he does a lot of horn arrangements for her. But, you know, it kind of varies, you know, um, depends on the song or, you know, the vibe. But, yeah, she's learned to trust my you know, musical thing that we kind of built together, you know, because we started this together, especially after Glamour's life was just, you know, me, her, and Prince, most of the, most of the time was in the studio, especially cutting that uh, Romance 1600. It wasn't a full band or anything. Most of the time, it was the three of us. Did, did, did you feel like Love Bazaar was going to be a hit even before... <laughs> I had no idea about most of this stuff. I tell you, Scott. To be honest, I had no idea. I know it was good music. Most of the time, we were calling the studio at any time, three a.m. or five a.m. and just play this part, play a solo or whatever. You know, you just don't think about it. You know what I mean? I didn't. I and at that age, I wasn't. You know. I was still trying to figure out what the heck I was doing and where we were and what was going on. We weren't thinking about, you know, you know, because we were still, when we cut Love Bazaar, it was in Atlanta. I don't forget Cheshire Studios, where Cameo recorded most of their stuff. But it was after playing in Atlanta for whatever, how many days, and you just had it, you wanted to cut the track, and they went in, and, you know. Start calling us in one by one to cut it. So you don't, you weren't thinking about anything at that point. You just thought it was just another, another session of Prince <laughs> and Sheila. Just like, <laughs> like there's see what it is today. such a flurry of activity going on that it's almost like a blur, right? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. It's 30, 35, 30 some years ago. We just, we just having fun, you know? And 
to be around that much music at all times. It was just like you weren't thinking about where it would be today. I mean, I look back at some of the things, and I'm like, wow, that actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> what? Are, are there one or two other musicians that were around during that era that particularly impressed you for one reason or another? One or two other musicians outside of the Prince camp? The, no, that were part of the revolution or part of Sheila's band or part of one, uh, the time or any of the other, you know, Minneapolis well, acts. I was always a fan of the time. So, yeah, I mean, they weren't too much on the scene around Purple Rain because after the movie they didn't they didn't do any of the concerts of course they didn't do the Purple Rain tour but I was always impressed with Morris Day in the time I thought I mean matter of fact I watched them at the Civic Center and this one year I thought they blew Prince off the stage <laughs> like whoa I think that was when I can't remember the, the, the album they had out there, but they were like incredible. But yeah, they were, they were intense. Um, uh, Paul Peterson, St. Paul, the family. I was always digging the family. I thought that was huge. Uh, Madhouse was, you know, I was, I was digging Madhouse stuff, but yeah, probably the, it was a time in uh, the family that stood out to me the most, and of course Jesse. But Jesse wasn't really in the in the Prince camp at that point. And I ended up touring with Jesse and doing one of his uh, one of his albums, Every Shade of Love. Um, but uh, yeah, Jesse stood out to me too. But he wasn't really in the camp at that point. Yeah, uh, Every Shade. That's a great, a great album too. Yeah, it was. A I like that one. We had a good time. Love struck. And we put a band together, used my top 40 band, and we went on the road to promote that album. And uh, yeah, we had a good time. I think Love Struck may be his hardest groove of all. Oh, it was, it was it was huge. It was good for him. It was a good it was a good feel too. I have to find some of that old footage somewhere. We toured on that. It was great. I saw his tour. Um, must have been right around that time when he stopped in Los Angeles and he played in Anaheim or... Oh, the, the circle. Yeah. The one that used to turn around. You went to that? I was there. Well, I was there too, Scott. I went back. <laughs> I went backstage too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was, um, that was a celebrity theater. Right. Yeah. In Orange County. Because we had one up here called Circle Star Theater. It had the same thing where the stage would go around in circles. And I believe Grandmaster Flash was on that, if I recall. That I don't remember, but I remember. Yeah, um, yeah, I believe. I, 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 yeah, I had Jesse I was, sign like it was out that first album of his, and uh, yeah, that was Celebrity Theater. Remember that? Absolutely. He used yeah. to cut loose so much on stage compared to the records. I mean, on the guitar. Oh yeah, he's intense. He's in, still intense. Still intense. He sounds great. Still back doing things, and you know, he's, uh, I think he just released something not too long ago. But he's he's doing his thing. He actually played at Prince's uh, at uh, Paisley Park, uh, I think last year, the year before, for one of the celebrations. And uh, sound great. Sounds 
I've always been a fan of Jesse. Yeah. Incredible guitar player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about the other sax players that were in the Prince camp? You know, what can you, obviously Maceo, incredible, but what about Candy or Eric or um, later on he did some stuff with Naji and I mean, I don't know how much you know mm-hmm. all those players, but what stands out to you about those players? Well, Candy's my girl. Candy saw, actually, when she when, uh, was touring with Sheila, we went over our first tour. We, were, we played, at, played at the Paradiso in, in uh, the Netherlands, over in Amsterdam. She was a kid, and she always tells a story about how she, I guess, got in, and she just, that was kind of her, kind of her pull to uh, want to be, be in the whole situation, to draw to the music. And eventually Sheila met her while she was playing with Prince, and she pulled her in, and you know, Prince took to her, and she loved her. Um, he loved her, and uh, Candy is incredible. She's just a, a sweetheart, and she can play her butt off. I mean, uh, always enjoy playing with Candy. Macy, of course, hands down, I, he was my, you know, saxophone hero. And, um, Najee, um, he's a, he was a local guy. I don't know if he's still in the Bay Area, but uh, I didn't really see that connection with him and Prince music. And I kind of disconnected at that point, so I, 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 I can't really, you know, I think Najee's a great player. But I always knew Najee to be more of a smooth jazz yeah. kind of artist. And, uh, and Eric, that was my sax buddy. You know, we did a lot of stuff together. We were the first two in uh, on the scene with him. So, uh, and I just, you know, Eric's fantastic. He's just a great player. But my fave is Candy. That's my girl. She, she, she did a good job, and she's just got so much flavor. And, uh, you know, that makes you, can leave makes you out. But, uh, you know. Yeah, and Prince obviously really liked her for a long time because she kept coming back and doing more stuff with him. Absolutely, yeah, she definitely did. She's, you know, she carried her. She, she, she's just all around good, and she's just a sweet person to top it off. An incredible family. You know, Dad is uh, a big saxophonist over there, so sax mm. jazz cat, but he's hung. So he's major so she grew up around good stuff so it's uh it's uh you know he had some good talent around with horns what would you say does how would you describe your own playing in terms of you know for you what kind of statement do you try to make when you when you play and you know what might be a signature element of your style well i i you know kind of came from a vocal standpoint always you know so slash singer saxophone. So when I play I, and, and I, I'm, I'm drawn to rhythm percussive uh, stuff that, I think that's why I kind of uh, compare it to Maceo uh, a bit because it's not about so much the, the, the skills and all of it. It's more like you know rhythm and, and, and singing you know what I mean? It's uh, you know, Prince told me when I first went to Minneapolis, I, don't, I want you to play three notes. And uh, I was like, okay. I grew up listening to Macy. I can do that. <laughs> so, um, 
So, you know, what, what can you do with three dogs? Other than, you know, you just try and, you know, like beating the drum. You know, want to get the rhythm, you know, so you just kind of fall into the rhythm thing. So that was my thing. Um, and I guess why that's why I get the big comparison of this, you know, which doesn't bother me at all because he's an incredible player. That's kind of like my flavor. But I, I, I try and come from a vocal cell, you know. I want to sing through the horn, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I wanted to be as a voice. I don't want to be as, you know, the horn section guy, you know. I want to definitely, uh, oh, I got another meeting. Uh, I want to, I definitely want to, you know, sing. You know, I want to sing. Are, are you able to sing? I am. I do a lot of singing. I'm on a lot of stuff with Sheila. A lot of past uh, uh, things. You know, we, we, uh, I wrote Hold Me together, so I'm singing on that. I have that here, too. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, there you go. That's a great record. <laughs> that was uh, me, her, and Vinyl, vinyl. That's it. Yeah. I got one, too. Original. Uh, I'm stashing it away. <laughs> yeah, so I do a lot of vocals with her. My last several albums, I've been doing a lot of singing with her. Okay. Yeah, a lot of vocal stuff. What, what could you tell um, other players, maybe, that might be listening and watching uh, in terms of, you know, funk playing in particular on saxophone? Because, you know, Maceo is just like no other in the way he kind of plays in and around the, the beat, you know? Um, yeah. Well, you know, you got to, uh, you know, less is more nowadays. You know what I mean? A lot of these guys wanted to, a lot of these cats, you know, they want to just blow every note and every, you know, uh, you know, unless you're doing that heavy straight ahead jazz stuff, which I love, it's, but if you want to be a funk player, you don't have to do all that. You know, you just got to play with feel and pocket, and less is more. You don't have to blow up and down your horn to you know, it's, it's just, you know, just finding those notes that, that, that rhythm thing, that pocket, to uh, make it come alive. It doesn't have to take a whole pentatonic skill to, you know, to accomplish that. And the ears have changed, you know, especially with the younger people. You know, they're not drawn to it. We got these songs that they're coming up with, with three notes or two notes, and one, you know, hook, you know, Courses, you know, so you know, it's the uh, doesn't take a whole lot, just gotta have flavor. And, you know, and go back and listen to the to the Funk Cats, go back and listen to Maceo, listen to the old jazz James Brown albums. <laughs> it, it, it sells itself, you know, that's the true funk, you know, our, our uh, parliament, Funkadelics, you know. Which Macy was on that too, Fred, you know, so those are his, you know, those are the funk records. Um, you know, it's, it's really not that difficult. You just gotta have, have the flavor and the heart. And dynamics too, right? Dynamics is part of it, but you know, funk is loud, man. <laughs> 
funk is flavored, dynamic, and, you know, it's a dynamic in it, but funk is, it's a heart, you know what I mean? You just got to know what it is. Research it. It's just like researching, you know, Cannonball or Coltrane, you know? And everybody wanted to learn giant steps and stuff when we was kids. Go learn a Maceo solo. You'll find if you transcribe it, it's probably about four or five notes. But it's flavor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So, it's really not that, you know. I'm not going to say it's not difficult, but, you know, it's a little bit less than what all these other, you know, all the heavy bases doing, all the heavy jazz casters doing. And he sings too, so he has that vocal quality that comes through. Absolutely. Yes, he does. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. I would tell people too, also, I think, uh, Mr. Magic, you know, Grover, that's what we mentioned Grover earlier. Uh-huh. Yep. Mr. Magic was one of my first songs that I had to uh, remember putting the needle back and forth to, you know, to learn all the parts of that. Because, <laughs> you know, you had the old record player then. But, yeah, Mr. Magic was one of my first. You know, and uh, Grover was one of I ended up recording Mr. Magic on uh, my first CD. I, I I just wanted to you know share share his what he gave me so I did record them. I never get tired of hearing. There's certain grades you just never get tired of hearing. That's one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. Uh, so you've been on like every Sheila album, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. I don't think I missed one. I don't think so. Somehow I made it on every one. <laughs> except except the glamour slapper. Yeah, I, mean, was, uh, I had a couple other ones here. I'll just hold up. I had uh, that one. Sex symbol. Yeah, yeah. I was on sex symbol. And uh, uh, yeah. And I missed a few, sure. but I have also the uh, you know most recent. Oh yeah, I was. I definitely was on that one. <laughs> you getting them all in. So, um, what was the last? thing you ended up working on with Prince? Wow. The last was... What did we do? We did, uh, we did the Image Awards, I think. NAACP Image Awards. And I think, no, we did something after that. Um, what did we do? I think we did... Uh, we did something at the Superdome. I think that was my last time with them. It's actually when John Blackwell's daughter had uh, passed away. And uh, I think that was the last thing we did together. I don't even know what year that was, I'll tell you. Um, yeah, we, we hadn't did any recordings, but it was just live things here and there. And, uh, it would, she would have me on, so that was... That was the last. NAACP was one of the greatest, though. It was, it was really cool. That's when he had the time. And, uh, a few other artists come on, and you know, we did this medley. It was really cool. Uh, Image Awards. We had a great time. A great time. It was, uh, but the, the, Super the Superdome thing would have been in the 2000s, though? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it would have been in the 2000s or early or late. Yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, maybe, yeah, it had to be in the 2000s. Yeah. When we did something, uh, and it actually is recorded, it never was released, and we had a whole recording of it. Um, I don't know, maybe they would release it at some point. But, uh, it was pretty intense. Well, do you think there's other stuff? that you were involved with that's not been released? Well, yeah. <laughs> Cameras is always rolling, so, you know, that's how you built that ball, you know? There's tons of stuff. And, you know, Sheila always talks about there's tons of stuff that was never released that she was a part of in there, so you can only imagine. Some studio stuff as well or just live stuff? All, still tons of studio stuff with her. Not so much for me. I pretty much knew. But, well, let me take that back because I've been getting people are sending me different things that I just totally forgot I recorded with him in sound checks or whatever. So you never know, you know. But I know for a fact she spent a lot of time in the studio with him. I did want to touch on, um, you know, what you did post Prince in terms of all those other people you've worked with. So I know you, Wayman Tisdale was one guy that you worked with a lot. And, um, you know, of course, famous NBA player and uh, bassist um, and, you know, jazz guy. What was it like working with uh, him? Incredible. The sweetest man. Uh, he was one of the sweetest men I worked with and super talented and just, just gifted, you know. He grew up in the church playing bass, but he was an incredible basketball player. You would never thought this man played bass, especially to be the height he was. But when he touched his instrument, he was amazing. Um, but the biggest smile and the biggest joy of life to lose him was uh, definitely uh, devastating for all of us. But uh, spent a lot of time with him, his kids, his wife, uh, family, you know, um, and did a lot of great stuff with him, a lot of great stuff. I miss him, miss him like crazy. Yeah, I think he was, what, he was only in his 40s or something like that, right, when he, I think. Maybe, maybe, maybe 40s or late 30s, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was still kind of playing play, he just retired shortly after, you know, he got sick. Yeah. Just, just a blow to all of us. Yeah. But this well, music lives on. Absolutely, absolutely. Just like Prince. Absolutely. Um, who else, um, anyone else that stands out to you in particular that you worked with that I mentioned at the outset that was, you know, really memorable for you personally and musically? Well, I, I guess one, Stevie Nicks was great because um, that was kind of outside of my the funk thing and you know uh, it was a challenge even though I grew up listening to Fleetwood Mac and Stevie but it was very joyful to uh, experience playing going on that side and doing the rock thing so that was definitely huge for me uh, and uh, I had a great time and being in the whole rock scene was just incredible and I got to play with some great players. Uh, Les Dudek, uh, 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 I got Mark, uh, 
Mark, I think Mark, I forget Mark's last name, but he was bass, bass player for Heart. Japan was full of like all of these, you know, heavyweight rockers. So uh, it was a joy. It was a blast. So that was for a tour or for an album? It was for, it was, we did some recording. Um, it was a whole lot of trouble too. Uh, but we had, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a tour. It was just not, not a long tour, maybe four or five months, maybe, maybe a little less. I'm not sure. Can't remember that deep, but uh, we had a lot of fun. Did, did she ever talk about the, you know, Common Prince connection with Stand Back? Absolutely. We heard the story several times about, you know, her uh, having Prince coming in and uh, doing the, uh, the, uh, the bass part on the stand, stand Back. <laughs> and he just and he didn't even want any credit, but she gave him credit anyways because he came in and, you know, lit the song up for it. Yeah, she would, we would hear the stories. She did share a lot. She loved him. She loved Prince. Thought he was a genius like most of us. You know? So, what do you got coming up? Uh, what are you working on now? What I'm working on now, me and I told you about John Ferris, uh, drummer for Earth and Fire. We have a group, because uh, we had a original Top 40 group when we were kids. Uh, so we, uh, we've always played together and play as much as we possibly can outside of us working with artists, various artists, but we decided at this age we wanted to uh, go back and cover some life together. And uh, we have a project called Back to Basic, and it's kind of like a urban, uh, can't really place it on the smooth jazz side, it's a little bit more aggressive than the smooth jazz, it's some funk. But uh, it's a project that we're working on with uh, Verdine White. And uh, hopefully as soon as we get out of this crazy COVID thing, it'll be ready for release. But we're stacking up songs right now and getting them mixed and getting that ready. And then I have uh, a management team that I work with called Paxol Entertainment. And they're the ones launching uh, uh, this Backyard session. Uh, where I'm bringing in people to do live things in my home. Uh, and then my daughter has a group called The Pack, and their single's going to drop uh, next month. Um, and uh, so I got a few things that's kind of keeping me busy. You know, I'm excited. What, what, styles, I'm excited her, what styles her music? Her, her music is, uh, she's she's 21 years old, so you can imagine where it is. <laughs> it's more urban, you know, more, you know, kind of street rap kind of vibe, but she's a vocalist. But it, it's a good group of young musicians, and they have a nice little flavor. I have to give it to you. Yeah. But it's really, really, I'm, ex I'm excited about what they're doing. So, wow. so between that and uh, getting me and John's project done and, you know, playing here and there when I can. Uh, that's keeping me going right now. Well, how can uh, people keep up with you? Where can they go? Well, I'm, I'm going to be starting a page for, for you know, I do have a Facebook situation, Eddie Middlefield on Facebook or whatever, but uh, not usually, I usually drop things over there, but I will be starting another page where you can kind of get updates on what's going on and 
what's coming out, when it's coming out. So that stay tuned for that by the time you know, that should be up real soon. But Facebook, you'll see everything. Instagram, uh, I'm on your Instagram, and uh, and I'll drop you all those links so you can put them up. You know, I'll even drop you the links for the backyard sessions too. Great. Great. Well, last question for you then, Eddie, is of all the stuff you've done, what would you say you're you're most proud of? Ooh. Oh, that's tough. Oh, my goodness. The most proud of? I guess the most, the one that's still here and has been here as far as recording and and it still gets the same attention today that it did when I recorded it and when we put it out would be Love Bazaar. Because I got a chance to play. And I got a chance to play whatever I wanted, other than the metal, you know, you know, the melody on the on the hook. But, you know, Prince let me have freedom of, of speech and I thought that was pretty incredible. So that's something that represents me that now my grandkids can hear and say, you know, that's Papa. <laughs> so I got to be proud of that, I guess, to pick one. But I have several. The, grand, <laughs> the grandkids are like, what? what is a love bazaar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. They hear they hear Papa's horn. So. That's great. It's not good. Fantastic. Yeah. Eddie, it's been so much fun talking to you. Thanks for all the stories. Great. Scott, thanks for having me. And again, if you need something else, just hit me up. And then I'll try and send you some links and different things so you can post up if you're editing and all. Absolutely, yeah. Keep me in the loop always and uh, be awesome. safe. And yes. I look forward to that new music soon. Awesome. You'll have it. You'll be the first. I'll make sure. All right. All right. Take care. Be safe out there, Scott. All right. Bye for all now. Right.